It's like a thing where like maybe they're not super big where I am in Maryland, like specifically Baltimore and all that shit. But like I've never encountered that in real life to the point where even still to this day, being 25 years old, I'm not sure that I can verify whether or not that these are real people. And that like this hasn't been like a bit like sometimes sure. sometimes I still struggle on whether these are real people or not. That is that is definitely fair. Like I said, I've I've had I said this off the air, so I might as well say it now. I've had my fair run-ins with juggalos. I've spent plenty of time with juggalos, which is weird because I'm in Southern California. I honestly think Baltimore would be more of a juggalo haven. Than really? Me. Yeah, that's. I mean, obviously Detroit is you know the juggalo mecca, but kind of north northeast i think is more juggalo and then as you go into maybe the dmv i think you would see more juggalos southern california you don't think of southern california as i mean, I, w- I, mean I would think orange county type shit like i see juggalos sure sure i mean there is kind of a cross connection there was there's a, a rap group from like orange county southern california called the Cottonmouth kings i don't know if you've ever heard of them quentin but they're absolutely no. terrible um their whole thing was just ta- rapping about smoking weed um and they did like songs and tours and shit with the Juggalos. So there is that connection there where like ICP, Cottonmouth King, Southern California. So that there is something there. Um, I guess we should say <laughs> tonight we are Higuchi Gang. Um, Higuchi Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. Um, and we are joined this evening by Sam Damascio. Sam, how are you doing tonight? I am doing swell. How about yourself? I'm great, but I, we got to know. How many run-ins have you had with Juggalos? Zero. Surprisingly. Syracuse, New York, not Juggalo capital of the world. That's for sure. Maybe you just have the geography wrong. I mean, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, Hatchet Man represent for... Like I said, I mean, I I know I don't know the geography of, like, the middle of America all that well, but I think you guys are closer to Detroit than me. Maybe they've migrated since you've gotten this information. That's true, but I mean, the, I mean, ICP are still based out of there. They still do the gathering of the Juggalos. I mean, like if, I, if, I, if I had to like, if I had to guess, I would anticipate seeing more Juggalos in like Jersey or Pennsylvania than in Maryland Fair. or New York. I would like Fair. think of it more along. I, I would guess to see them more in those states scattered scattered all about. But again, maybe this is just where I've lived in Baltimore. So like, I just had no exposure to that type of shit but yeah i i still have yet to encounter one in my in my real life and sometimes i still think about willie mack being one like it just crosses oh, yeah. my mind it just crosses my mind every now and then the chocolate juggalo 
<laughs> I forgot about that. Oh man. You know what? I don't know what's worse between um Willie between the Willie Mac being a juggalo thing that came out, or he was just he just didn't give a fuck. Like he was just yeah, I'm a juggalo, cool. Oh yeah, no, he, he but, just but, but, it. but then there was like Keith Lee uh during that time when she was away from wrestling, like talking about the type of music he listens to. And you, uh Sam, I know you you know who Tom Tom McDonald is. No. Oh no, 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 yes. no, no. Keith he Lee listens. Not, no, he did not. Yes. Keith Lee listens no. to Tom McDonald. <laughs> That's not fucking possible. I'm not, I swear to God. I swear to God. Keith how? Lee was on Twitter talking about how he listens to Tom McDonald. Now, for those that are uninitiated to Tom McDonald, he is a white man that thinks he is persecuted for being a straight, blonde, blue-eyed white man and makes rap songs about it routinely. And he's uh, kind of MAGA, like he's kind of like MAGA adjacent. Yeah, yeah, but it's one, it's one, it's one of those like I hate everybody, but conveniently I only criticize Democrat type of people. Like, yes. So he's 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 kind of he's kind of like that. Yeah, which makes it even funnier when the dude is Canadian. And- yes, <laughs> and he's like a lib. He's like a fucking Canadian, like lib kind of, or at least his girlfriend. Okay, so uh, Minion Death Cult, which podcast I listen to, they cover Tom McDonald a lot. That's why I even really know about him. Um, they talked about like some fucking uh, documentary person who like tried to follow him shooting a music video, and his girlfriend was like, you know, really believed in the pandemic, and they were like, oh, she ha- she doesn't leave the house. She's like wearing a mask, all that stuff. So like. They're like totally into all the stuff. They buy into the libs pandemic stuff. They, they, you know what I mean? Like he's, it's all like kind of a grift for Tom McDonald too, which is very funny. Yeah. Um, Sam, I know you, I don't even feel good for doing this bit on air. I'm going to just leave it. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Wikipedia tells me his songs, fake woke snowflakes yes. and brainwashed. Yeah, all appeared on the Billboard Hot 100 in 2021. Oh my God, they got that. They they even reached the charts. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! Well, yeah, because the Billboard now like accounts for YouTube and fa- fucking uh, Facebook yeah, videos and, he's, and stuff. And no, so. he's like, and he's like huge. On, uh that's yeah, he's huge on Facebook. It's like wild. Like yeah, so which is funny to think that like Keith Lee is a Facebook guy, but when you think about the Mewtwo trunks. And his entire vibe, and he's from Texas. Like Keith Lee's a Facebook guy. Keith Lee's a Facebook yeah. dad. You know. Yeah, well, I remember seeing. I just like, I like, oh god, like I just, dude, that's brutal. That's brutal. No, I, I just, I can't, I can't look at him, look at him the same. At first, like, like, yeah. oh man, Keith Lee's so cool. But it's like, this guy like listens to Tom McDonald before doing wrestling matches. Like, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and I, there was like people talking about like Keith Lee rapping on his song in AEW and stuff, and I'm like. Keith Lee's not even like the the guy who should rap. Like he doesn't come across like, oh, he should rap. You know what I mean? Like no. I would I was almost gonna say I don't believe that Keith Lee raps or listens to rap. Um, but I know he sang like one of his own songs at some point, which again, I just I feel like a lot of that is just stereotyping. But Did then to do- find out that he likes Tom McDonald. Yeah, so now it just makes me like think about and assume who else Keith Lee would be into. Like, is he like big into like Dax and NF and like was he a Hobson guy back when Hobson was a thing? Oh, like yeah, yeah. That it just it just makes me wonder all of that now. Oh my god, this is brutal. This is a brutal conversation. <laughs> I do not like this one bit. Thank you for. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those of you that did not know this information That's already. 
That's fine. <laughs> but um, but I don't think you're gonna see any juggalos, Quentin and Sam. Probably not either, because like the height of juggalo is over. They've even like they've retired. One of them said like he's gonna die. He's got like fucking crazy heart problem. Like the juggalo thing is not going to continue on. Um, so like yeah, like Tom McDonald is the new juggalo. So basically, meeting like a Tom McDonald head is like meeting juggalos. Yeah, that's rude. That's rude. Tom well, I just never mean, do something as cool as Bloody Mania. I just mean the the subculture part of it. Okay, like Fair the enough. fact that you get a ton of people online who are really into it, and like it's like white guy rap, basically. Um, you know, that's like the that's the thing. Tom McDonald, obviously, nowhere near as cool as as the Juggalos. ICP are actually very cool. They did a ton of great stuff. I was looking for, I was trying to find a good clip, a good picture of Cactus Sack. Um, to post it with that picture of Sammy Callahan that I that I tweeted out, uh, but I couldn't find a good enough one, so I just went with the joke that I did, um, which you know did did relatively okay. Um, but yeah, like Big Money Hustlers, Big Money Rustlers, uh, the, all of the Stranglemania DVDs, the fact that they came out like pro LGBTQ multiple times, have apologized for their past like offensive language when it comes to that kind of stuff, and just like did it right. Honestly, that's like. I've heard plenty of people already make this point, but it is really true. Like anybody who has like a back catalog of, of questionable material, like take a lesson from ICP in your response and don't like fucking double down and try to fight it. Just be like, we've grown, we've changed. We were immature and stupid, but you know, we didn't really mean it like, and just move on. And that's like, you know, again, ICP much cooler than Tom McDonald. That's for sure. If I could implore our listeners to do a thought exercise for one second, it's just, Pause this podcast. I can't be playing while you do this, but just find a random Tom McDonald music video and just don't even watch it. Don't even listen to the mu- music. Just just go read the comments and just have a fun time. Ooh, just ooh. just read the comments. Just, just it's, it's, it's plenty. It's, 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 it's plenty there. And just imagine that one of those people is Keith Lee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I did want to talk <laughs> about uh, Malachi Black a little bit, just real quick. Um, what's what's his adjacency to? I think <laughs> he seems he's like playing Atomic be... now, fan. Yeah. Oh, no, I was gonna oh, say, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, hell. I feel I feel like he's like might be like the perfect Venn diagram for that between those two things. Yeah, he's probably got into one and then has transitioned into the other over time. But um, it's all the same to him. It's really it's and he doesn't see race or color and oh, where oh, he's oh, from. Oh, they don't oh, really co- have black people. They just know, have. So, uh, they just know, have people. They just have people. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, they have, they do have, uh, you know, Black Peter who comes at Christmas to give you presents, but it's a totally different thing. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why all those guys dress in blackface to represent him, but it's not, it's not a racist thing because they, no, didn't, no, have, they no. didn't have slavery there. So it's not the same. No, no um, not at all. Not at all. But uh, I was just thinking about how Malachi Black is basically becoming like the double J of the AEW versus WWE thing, like the WCW versus WWF thing, where like he's the first one who's kind of trying to swap back and forth. He's was really big in his home territory where all of his goofy ideas didn't really matter because no one really paid attention. And he was just like a decent wrestler, never really going to draw or be a top star until he maybe finds somebody as dumb as Vince Russo to listen to all of his dumbass ideas. Um, and yeah, I just, I kind of saw that I've been seeing this going on and I'm like, holy shit, this is the same thing. So in about 30 years, what I'm saying is Malachi black is going to be the one who just can't die is still getting booked everywhere somehow and ends up squashing the effie of, you know, 2035. That is a thought that I really didn't 
ever have crossed my mind until now, but it checks every box and I can't like fault or disagree with any part of that idea or sentiment. <laughs> it's scarily yeah. accurate. Just has this grandiose opinion of himself and his wrestling ability and like has never really been over anywhere. Uh, you know what I mean? Except for again, his home promotion. This is this is a revelation, and honestly, I'm gonna think <laughs> about this like for a while about you like how breaking this down. This is this is really good. This is really good. Julia Hart is uh is his Deborah, really. <laughs> you know what? Buddy Murphy. <laughs> Buddy Murphy obviously nowhere near as good as uh, Owen Hart, but you know, no, this no. is not a one to one comparison. Yeah, this. <laughs> We're 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 we're, make, we're making it work here though. We're making it work. Yeah, we're we're moving this along. Um, so we did lose an episode last week, Quentin. I apologize to you for that. Yeah, uh, won't happen again. Lost uh, it, was a, it was a, it was an hour. It's whatever. I don't care. Yeah, it was an hour. <laughs> it was quick. We were supposed to go quicker, but you know, it it, it kind of just happened. It was about Dragon Gate, so it seems like made the right. Yes. That, I was actually going to not even say those words because I think that that was why the episode got oh, corrupted now. It's yeah, because I am not allowed to even reference or watch. It's literally illegal uh, for me to watch that company. So, um, so instead, we watched some companies that uh, it, it is illegal for us to watch. Uh, so we'll start out with DDT. Does that sound all right for you guys? Yeah, uh, let's get the good. Let's, let's get the good stuff out the way first, I guess. I mean, if we're gonna do that, then we would start with BLP. I mean, don't like, uh, do this. <laughs> are you kidding? This was actually really good. Um, the uh, okay, so I told Quentin what's the top two. Sam, what did you watch? I watched the main event. Main event. Okay, so you did. How could, watch, you, uh, how could you? How could you turn down a car in a war match? I. I saw it on the card and I was like, you know what? This is for the real DDT heads like Quentin. And I just can't. I don't want to be a fake fan out here. So I got to just get me. Quentin, did you watch anything else? Yeah, I did. I watched um, the tag that Venny was in versus uh, Ooh, yeah. Disaster Box and Honda. And I saw the eight man tag with uh, um, yeah. Burning and Sakaguchi and Hiroshima. That was, I, saw, I saw that stuff. Okay. Um, I would recommend the uh, Omega and Yoshimura versus Damnation match also. Um, and uh, and then what you mentioned there was, was good too. Uh, excuse me. Um, it did get me thinking that six-man tag uh, with Nomura at the level that he's at and Kanan, Cannon. Um, Cannon feels like a future star guy to me. Mm -hmm. uh, just instant charisma, really good wrestler, super vicious, creepy, and just there's something there, I think, for sure. I think that they sooner or later they should be pushing him. And I think I put this out there, but if Yoshimura can be treated as a top guy with where, where he's at, and I'm not even arguing that he shouldn't be in current DDT, like a top level star. But if he can be like with the level of like that, he's still a little bit awkward and not completely developed when it comes to his charisma yet, like. Cannon can be a fucking top guy, I think, or at least push to like upper card. Um, but, you know, give him a little, I guess, give him a little bit more seasoning and get, you know, into the company a little bit more. And maybe that'll, maybe that's what they're, they're kind of waiting for. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he seems ready and they could use it. I did, I was thinking, I heard, <laughs> now I'm like, oh, should I even say where I heard it or should I play coy? Um, because I, because th I thought better of it now that I've had a chance. I don't know. Either way, I was hearing, 
conversation about like Dragon Gate, the young guys in the future. And I know I'm not supposed to talk about Dragon Gate and uh, like heard it compared to DDT and basically coming from someone who I just think doesn't really pay attention to DDT as much as they do as Dragon Gate and kind of like implying like Dragon Gate is so much far ahead because everybody in the company is like, you know, Gen Z, all the top stars and everyone in the championship level is are younger and all this. And I kind of was looking through the DDT guys and even a lot of the guys who have been around for a while at this point who are starting to break through at the top are under 30. Like all of them and including I mentioned their canon being like 26 You've got uh, Higuchi, who's, you know, I'm 33, so he's a little bit older. Obviously, Takashita is like 27. Uh, you've got all of the guys in um, in 37 Kamina, including Mao at 25. Endo, you know I mean? you've got, Endo's, Endo's only 31. Yeah, Endo's just barely in his 30s. You've got Yoshimura, who's 27. Like, I'm just saying, like, they, if you're going to compare and be like, oh, the future, like, for Dragon Gate is really young and they've got a ton of top guys, I'm like... If anything, DDT, in a weird way, you look at it and go like, actually, they're further ahead because they've got all those guys that I just mentioned who are just as young, but you don't think of them as brand new guys establishing themselves. You think of them as established top of the card guys in DDT. So, I mean, it's weird to be like, oh, Dragon Gate is doing really good with their young stars and DDT is questionable. But again, I think this was coming from someone who's just not actually Dra- paying attention dragon gate has uh, dragon gate always has really good really good young wrestlers the problem is like actually pushing them right and like yeah they like ddt doesn't really have that problem like yeah as people that have been watching ddt we know how long it took to for them to get behind haguchi you know in a meaningful way but that's the thing with their younger guys whether you can trace that back to like the irias and uh keisuke ishis and so much to cows like they have no problem pushing pushing those guys when they believe in them you know, we see that with Ueno, Takashita, uh, Naomi Yoshimura. They have no problem pushing those guys when they believe in them. With Dragon Gate, as much as I love Dragon Gate and I always say it's my favorite promotion, they just don't have the same enthusiasm to get behind those guys as early on, which I think is why you see someone like a Takashita who's been the top guy in DDT at least since 2016. And he's still, what, 27? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like that's just that's what that's what you get when you actually get behind those guys early on right and actually yeah present them as top stars and i mean now that ddt's you know the the kind of the what do they call it the six i can't even think of it uh, the big six are kind of all moving out of the way uh maybe some of the younger guys will start to feel like actually top of the card guys because they've always been overshadowed um so yeah i just think yeah again it, it, that's the thing ddt it doesn't the, the young guys don't really feel overshadowed, even if you always have Hiroshima around. Even now with Jun Akiyama around, it doesn't feel like they overshadow the young guys. Um, either way, Ueno versus Kara Noir. Um, open up this match, and one thing I thought in commentary mentioned it a little bit, but I don't know if they really saw it the way I saw it, which is Kara Noir does the little thumb and index finger heart thing to Ueno, and Ueno, you know, doesn't doesn't you know, reciprocate. And then Kara Noir comes back with the John Woo drop kick. Oh, he's so aggressive, this and that. And they're kind of like, oh, you know, I think the commentary, the English commentary is saying, oh, Kara Noir feels slighted, you know, because he offered his love and Yuena didn't reciprocate, whatever. But uh, that's a Korean thing. So you could say Kara Noir was being racist and Yueno just didn't <laughs> go along with 
him being like, oh, you must like you must be into this Korean thing because you're Asian or whatever. Um, and that doesn't mean he knows about that. So I, I just kind of like, OK, this is perfect. <laughs> Car Noir awesome. is a heel because he's coming out here doing Korean hand gestures, expecting Japanese people to just know what it is. Um, so he's a great foreign. It's been a long time since we've had a good racist foreign heel um, in Japan. I, I, so good I didn't, job. I didn't, yeah, yeah, I didn't expect Car Noir to be the one to fill that void. But, yeah, you know, I, I, guess, I guess I guess props to him for uh, always evolving, I guess. Yeah, we could really use it. Speaking of always evolving, Car Noir um, is fucking weird. I don't. I Ueno obviously was great here selling for him. He made him look like a million bucks. But uh, Car Noir's move set and style just is not cohesive and doesn't go with his overall vibe. And he comes across like a video game backyard wrestler who does some really cool spots and some things that are like out of nowhere, insane doing the, the last shot off the top rope, the fucking brain buster onto the knee is fucking nutty. And he even does like the package bile driver, which is like a staple of backyard wrestling moves. Right. But none of that stuff really fits with the gimmick and with the character. So it's just, it's so weird because it feels like he just does moves like he does cool moves. He executes them really well. Actually, we've talked about it before that Carnivore is a good wrestler. We have the fucking chokes. The fucking choke he does is always like really cool looking how he like just completely spins himself and the other guy. It looks vicious and nasty. Like I actually love that move a lot. Yeah, but the gimmick is so overbearing. And obviously people have talked about this and it just it doesn't fit with the way that he wrestles and the moves that he does that it really just takes you out of the whole thing to be like, what the fuck is this thing? What is this guy? Um, and like I said, UNO was great selling here. I thought that they did a really good job um, getting Car Noir o- for, over for his first match in the company. Um, and I think that he would make sense to come back. But again, it's just, I just don't know because, you know, obviously people love to be like, oh, you know, he's so dramatic and he's telling all these great stories and doing all this stuff, but none of it's cohesive. It's really just like trying, doing it for its sake. And being like, oh, he's, you know, he's artistic and he's pushing boundaries and all this. But I'm like, there's no ethos behind it. There's nothing to it. It's really just like, it's just floundering. It's just throwing stuff against the wall. And to me, it's like, that's not art. That's just like, again, just throwing things out there. There's no real expression there. It just kind of feels like people will say whatever about like Kota Ibushi, but I feel like Kota Ibushi has like a natural charisma to him and like at least like a base understanding of pro wrestling as to where like yes Kota Bushi is a fucking robot freak that if he wasn't wrestling that would probably be a danger to society like we can all we can all agree with that but I think Kota Bushi at least understands wrestling and while he can veer off into that territory that we're talking about with Car Noir like he's one so dazzling and spectacular most of the time it doesn't really matter but two he just understands how to do other shit that keeps a match interesting and cohesive and have some like logical elements of storytelling in it. And like car noir just feels like a really, really like lacking of any type of understanding of wrestling version of Kota Ibushi, just in terms of the physicality that they both possess. Like Kota is a better athlete. Sure. But in terms of like physique, athletic ability to do power spots, do agile high flying spots, do whatever they have all that. They have the same ability, but one actually like utilizes it in a way in which it's like clear. I understand wrestling and I want to tell a linear logical story with it. And car noir is I'm going to do this abstract thing and kind of get by with it. And 
it's just never worked for me in any time. And yeah, it got over on the UK indies. And for who who knows, maybe maybe it'll get over in Japan. Sometimes people get over in Japan and you're not really sure why. Marty Scroll got over in Japan. He was legitimately over. So yeah. I don't know. It happens. Like, so maybe Car Noir does get over in DDT. Maybe he does fit in, but this was a fine match, but it just still kind of brings back those same issues with Car Noir I've had for years and the lack of connection I've always had with him. Yeah, definitely. And I think the Marty Scroll thing is a great comparison there. Um, not just because they're both British and you know, possibly pedophiles. Um, no, I, I'm, there's no there's no reason for that to say that about Car Noir, but because like the Japanese crowd can be okay with like a foreigner who's just like a one note cartoon gimmick, which was always right. like the issue with Marty Scroll. Like people loved Marty Scroll, and I was like, so I was committed to him from like very young, even before the whole villain thing, but you know, my wife, Alicia, when she saw the Marty Scroll villain thing in PWG, she was always like, an umbrella isn't a gimmick. Like, what the fuck does, what does this mean? And she, when she would always question that, I did start to like really think about it. Like, what is the villain? Why does he have a fucking umbrella? Was, Why does he wear the mask? Right. Like, but like, we, like, but we will even, like, people always try to make it seem like he was doing this great heel work. And first, apologies for even bringing up Marty Scroll for anyone that doesn't sure. want to hear about here's talk about him. But, it was purely just an aesthetic. I mean, you came to that realization. It was like, this yeah. is just, this is just an aesthetic. That's all it is, is changing your image and doing whatever, because you watch him wrestle and okay, cool. He, he does heel work. Cool. But like, you know, like, other, yeah. like, other, like if we're acting like it was like anything other than the basic levels of heel work, like, no, we don't got to pretend it was, it was an aesthetic thing. And I think car noir kind of grasp onto the same thing of, being more mainly aesthetic based not that he's not that he doesn't possess any talent but no this is clearly like an aesthetic driven thing do you think you would like car noir if you went back to his former wrestling name pierre britannico would that (laughs) sell you better that so okay so i know you're looking this up but do you know do you know what that is absolutely not no clue. Okay, so Pure Botanico, and Quentin, you probably know this, um, was the counter to Will Ospreay's Dark Britannico no. in the fake Lucha th- uh, nope. fed in, in the UK. Absolutely yeah. not. Yep. So he was uh, like Tiger Mask and Black Tiger, basically, but with Will Ospreay and, uh, and in England pretending to be luchadors. This is what I get for trying to do a bit, you know? <laughs> I know. I get this I information forced upon me. But he could go back to Tom Dawkins, which was yes. when he used to just be a normal wrestler. Um, and he'd probably be better because as Quentin was saying that I was about to say, I think that um, Car Noir is a better athletic wrestler, a better like uh, pure wrestler than Marty Scroll ever was. Honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, he would he could be better than him. Um, main event here, Higuchi versus Takeshita. Um, Sam, me and Quentin have been talking enough. What did you think of this? I thought this was really good. I don't think I'm gonna be as high on it as some of the DDT fans out there, but like this is pretty darn good. Gucci is great as always. The uh, Keshka is really good here. Like I thought that they kind of just mesh really well. Obviously, the big spot is gonna be the Nigel headbutt, uh, which sort of sets off this great sequence. But yeah, I had a really good time with this one. 
Yeah, absolutely phenomenal as far as I'm concerned. Quentin, uh, what are your thoughts here? Man, like, it felt like a weight being lifted off my shoulders to finally hear, like, cheering in a Japanese wrestling match again. It's just like, like, fucking wow. Like, we've really gone nearly three years without this. And I was just really appreciative to even just have that, honestly. So, like, this would have been a great match without it because these are two of the best wrestlers in the world and they've always had great chemistry and have done great things together. So I would have been, been excited and into it anyway. But to be back in Corican Hall where the fans can actually engage vocally with the match, it was, it was just really cool to see and like elevated it for me to maybe like irrational levels. Like I love this match, but maybe like more than the match itself. I was just, it was really cool to see a big, important title match in Japan again, where the fans could vocally support who they want to win and vocally show their appreciation for it. Like just having that back in my favorite region of wrestling to watch where it's just been gone and absent for so long. It was just really, it was just really cool to see. And on top of that, these two just beat the ever living shit out of each other. This match Usually stuff that's like more 50-50 leaning might not be for me, but for these two, when their contact, Taguchi being a big giant monster anyway, and Takashita being this freak athlete and king of and king of the promotion, I think it made I think a 50-50 style match made sense and they worked it perfectly. They did some insane shit. Uh Sam talked about Sam and uh Sam talked about the Nigel's the night the Nigel spot. And for me, the big one was uh Takeshita's uh fucking Frankensteiner turning turning whatever that turning whatever that move was into a Frankensteiner off the top. Just when you realize like how big Takeshita is doing something like that, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like like you forget that he can yeah. do stuff like that. Yeah, he'll do the occasional and he, dive. And then right, he followed that up, yeah, with the flip dive over the top right afterwards. It was it was such a good one-two punch to just yeah, be in awe of this freak of nature. Yeah. Is this like you you kind of forget like with all the weight that he's put on and how hard he hits now and everything like this dude is genuinely still one of the best athletes in wrestling and he can pull out something like that in a big match like this just because he wants to and i thought that aspect of it was great i thought the finish was fucking awesome and the way they built to it you would think that higuchi was gonna pick him up and do another big move but he doesn't he just headbutts him in the fucking chest and he stays down and i love that how like higuchi's finishes and uh all that stuff have been in these ma- in these matches of his since winning the title. So I'm still all on board with Higuchi going forward as DDT champ, and it was just really cool to see a big match in Japan with here with cheering again. Yeah, yeah, and actually, I I I may have misspoke because I was thinking because he actually does two big Frankenstein'ers, and I think maybe you're talking about when he counters the um the top rope choke slam into the yeah. Frankensteiner. Yes. Yeah, th- which is towards the end, which does have an awesome spot right after that as well, but it's not. The dive earlier on, he does a top like a Frankensteiner from the side, like the running one, like Chris Hero would do sometimes, which is nuts, mm. you know, because with a guy that size. And then right after that, he dove to the floor, which again, it's like the the Chris Hero thing where you just you see a guy that size do it, and you're just like, what the fuck? This is like insane. Um, but on that one, when he counters the choke slam, top rope choke slam, which like you know was maybe supposed to be like the brain claw slam, but he's at some point Higuchi's like, I can't. I can't make this work with with this guy because he's just so big. It looks weird. Um, 
that uh, he does that. And then Higuchi comes running in for that high knee, which has gotten like hugely over on AEW dark, you know, and on TV, he comes running in for the high knee and Higuchi catches him out of midair and power yes. bombs the shit out of him. It's there's so much, so much awesome. There's so much awesome shit in this match. Yeah. And as you said, 50, 50 Higuchi. See, this is the thing. Higuchi is phenomenal. And why he's so great is he's a big monster. And I've said this a thousand times, like, but I can say it a thousand and one here right now, a big monster who can work a match 50, 50, but by the end of it, you still are sympathetic and cheering for him like he's an underdog. Even though he was the monster, even though he worked 50-50 the whole match, his selling and the way that he paces his big spots, you just, by the end of it, you're like rooting for him. Like, come on, man, pull this out, pull it out. And there's no reason in this match, really, except for just how good Higuchi is. And, you know, maybe you think... Takeshita, like you said, he's the ace, he's the golden ace, and he's on this big run in America, and he's such a big star, and he's going to win Rookie of the Year, um, you know, because people are dumb. Um, like, okay, that's the only reason why you'd be, like, underdog rooting for Higuchi, but otherwise, Higuchi is the top dog, he's the champion, you should see him as the overdog, but by the end of it, yeah, I'm rooting for him like the underdog, and that's why the finish was even better, I loved the finish, it's just like a flash finish, but it wasn't, and this is what annoys me. And again, maybe I should just stop paying attention to every other fucking moron's opinions, but I just can't help myself. Meltzer referring to Higuchi as looking like just a guy and saying that uh, by the end of the match, you're rooting for him or whatever. And then saying, calling this finish, Higuchi falls on top of him. And I'm just like, that is not the finish. That's not the finish. Like the finish is not Higuchi just fell on top of him. Like, Yes, kind of, I guess, but that was not the story. It wasn't one of those kind of finishes where it's a double KO and one guy accidentally falls on top and gets the pin. It was a clear win. It was just a flash knockout with the, the headbutt kind of, it wasn't even really a headbutt. It was a kind of a sumo double palm strike to the chest because of the sumo background. They were trading like the, the lariat, the, the knees and the, and the sumo double strike. And he, he fell on top of him intentionally as a pin because they had been trading back and forth enough to where when he saw Takeshita finally go down, he took it. It was not a, he's knocked out. It was an intentional pin. So like saying like he fell on collapsed on top of him. He fell on top of him kind of thing. Just really, I think misses the point of the fucking match. But my point being, as I already referenced it is that I'm happy that Meltzer even mentioned the match because hopefully this will get some of the children who are going to vote for Takeshita as rookie of the year and the observer awards to actually check out this match. And maybe they'll see just how fucking great Higuchi is. Um, if, there's no, there, there's well, no way any, there's no way any, anyone actually does that, right? There's no one, there's no way anyone actually goes oh, to rookie of the oh, year. Oh no, no, no! There's a lot of people who are gonna do that, man. I'm no, sure there's no fucking way. There's no way. Yes, <laughs> Sam, you gotta chime in here. What do you think? I, no, I, no. I, that's not gonna happen. I don't no. think that audience it overlap aligns quite right. Uh, though it doesn't increase his odds. I agree. I agree. I, um, I rookie of the that, year locked up anyway. I think that he's going to win it, man. I think that Higuchi, people are going to vote for for Takeshita as Rookie of the Year. You think Wait, maybe no, I'm misunderstanding you, what you're saying. You think there's enough people out there that would really think that he's like a rookie? I don't know if I would say that he's going to win. I'm just, I'm just he's asking. He's going like, to get those votes. But you think there's enough people out there that would think he's a rookie to do that? Yes, yes. I think he's going to place like, top three. He's going to place yeah, top or three? Or like that it counts. Top three. Oh yeah. my God. I think yeah. top three, but anyone that listens to Meltzer already is aware that this is not the case. But I honestly think there are so many subscribers that actually don't listen to anything on right. that and just read the newsletter. 
frankly. Yeah. Just old fogies. And then they just go like, yeah, that that, that new Chinese kid, he looks good. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what they're going to say. Um, so, yeah, either way, great match. If 2022 wasn't as insane of a year as it has been, this would be in the match of the year contention, but I really don't think it quite is. Um, just because of how crazy this year is, but I think it deserves to be on Joseph's, uh, you know, Twitter thread for a match of the year tracker, of course. Yeah, for sure. Isn't is it? I want. There's a lot of things on that list. Is it, like, is, it already is. I'd be surprised if it, be surprised if it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, four and a half. Oh, there we four go. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Just, I think that's solid. I think that's solid. Um, on the same scale, on, on the same scale, that's probably like three stars, probably. Give it a three and a half, three and a half, you know, half, yeah, up top. Yeah, you know, you're not, not, you're not, not quite the Simon scale, but like it's close enough. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite Amherst versus Mad Dog Conley, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Nice, nice. I don't even um, know who the second guy is. Mad Dog Conley, come on. Come on. <laughs> he's great. He's great. Uh, it's okay. He's getting booked. Where did he? He just got booked somewhere else, outside of PPW, right? Where I have no or idea. Did it already happen? It Someone probably already him. happened. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like I think I saw something. Somewhere, somewhere in the Hales verse was booking him. Um, either way, BLP quite large. Turbo Graps twenty four. Okay, Quentin, you're already disparaging it. I actually thought that no, this no, was no, really no, wait, good. No, no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so, so, Mikey should be jailed. A, so I have a bone to pick with both of you because <laughs> I forgot that these were two fucking shows, and okay. I and like I didn't agree to watch all this wrestling. Like frankly, I just didn't agree to this. I thought okay. I was maybe watching a same show tournament. Silly me, I forgot that BLP runs an actual tournament, like with two days and shit. So it's not two well, days. Not two days. One one day. It is definitely not two days, which yes. is the, definitely the best part <laughs> of this. So yeah, so yeah, what the fuck? I had to watch more wrestling than I thought. Than I thought I would have had to because I watched two of these fucking shows. Now, granted, these are good and i can't and i can't like there's stuff here that i did like and i'm not complaining and there's like other blp shows that would have been a way worse use of my time historically with this promotion so that is fine but i did not anticipate watching this much wrestling that is fair and i will say that i kind of felt the same thing and i may have gotten trigger happy and just said it really quick and i shouldn't have i I am willing (laughs) To concede that point, but there was another tournament that happened okay. over the weekend that's about a quarter of the length. Okay. From PPW, Heavy Hitters ah. Four. Oh yeah, I saw that. I didn't even look at any of the matches though. Was there anything worthwhile on there? I watched the first match of Max St. Pillar versus Max Zero. It was like two minutes long. Okay. Would have been the fourth best match on this entire tournament. Yeah, what the fuck? We. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, I have to call I have to call that one though cuz this is Sam. So I don't 100% agree fair, believe fair, that that's fair. true. Cuz I can think of there are a ton of matches on here that I would say have to be better than that. Now, I am a bit of a Maxine Impaler truther as opposed to like a lot of other people who maybe aren't as are on the hype train for the, you know, the the, the oh god, the I can't even think of any of Max's nicknames right now, so I'm just going to move on. Um but yeah, the, uh, the, 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 that said, this was, most of the matches are pretty quick. Nothing overstays. It's, it's time. Yes. The second show had a ton of matches that probably could have been cut and you could have figured out a way to turn this into one show. Um, 
that said, I mean, it basically was one show with a 30 minute intermission, which is very funny for the crowd in the building. And also I got some some background details about the situation of like the topography of the area where the building is in the region and what's around it that basically a 30 minute intermission meant that you're fucked because there's no way to get to anything nearby that doesn't isn't like at least a 10 minute drive away. So you, no one there would basically like if you're watching the shows, the fans would not be able to like go get something to eat or like leave and go do anything else in between. Basically, you're just stuck there waiting for 30 minutes, um, which is fucking great. And it's just like in the middle of fucking nowhere, which is really cool. And obviously it was probably pretty hot and boring and shitty. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, guys, like you should have either figured out a way to do this on two different nights or do it on one show cut something down especially because they didn't even do the full thing they did my you know my one of my most hated things which is the second round was all th triple threats which i just i fucking hate when tournaments switch like format in the middle of the of the tournament but that said like i said nothing overstayed the welcome there's a ton of actually good stuff here a bunch of good wrestling stuff that over delivered and like i can't complain um especially because i wasn't in the building for fucking nine hours like all these poor chumps um Sam, I think me and Quentin have given our overall thoughts. <laughs> what are your overall thoughts? I wish Crazy Cookies didn't go belly up so Eric Stevens didn't unretire. Um, That's I, I don't wow. think this was okay. a particularly good tournament. I did not have a great time here <laughs> over my week watching this. I think BLP Mikey should be jailed. Um, I don't know how we ended up with some of this. I think that um, what, yeah, the book the booking of Bobby Fish versus Kevin Blackwood, I think, is definitely a, okay. That's a, that, that's okay. That's a criminal offense in my in my in my opinion. I like I, I'm that all is. for uh, abolishing prisons, but I feel like specifically he that person should be jailed. Mikey, if if that's him still yeah. booking, he should be jailed. That's yeah, fair. I, it was it was an interesting tournament. It was interesting. There, like you said, I think there was some good stuff. I'm probably being a little too harsh on it, but that's fair. It, all in all, weird tournament. There was a lot of oh, there was a lot of matches under five minutes though, Sam. And with your ethos, you should be appreciating that. Do 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 we have do we have to break down both of these shows? I mean, we'll go over it quick. It's fine. There's a lot of stuff that can get short shrift. <laughs> like, like what the fuck, man? Like. Okay, I really the second show like I got bamboozled here. Like the non-tournament stuff on the second show, I do not like defend any of it you could have cut it. this it goes back to like what i said like you should have figured out a way to cut this down which you could have by cutting out all of the non-tournament stuff like pretty easily have just cut that stuff out and i think you could have made it a lot quicker you could have also cut down the number of the you know the participants whatever you could have figured out a way to make it shorter that said i mean again there is a lot of stuff that i really liked here um but uh Yes, we'll go, we'll go through it quickly, Quentin, just so that you anything you don't want to talk about, feel free to just skip on by. You don't have to add anything. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> no, That's perfectly OK. okay. That's OK. <laughs> um, I will say that the booking was surprisingly good for a Mikey booked show. I've gone on record and saying that BLP is the worst booked company in the fucking world. And there's actually like this was a pretty solid booking for a blp show especially the way that you ended up in the finals uh you know i guess your your uh your kind of value your mileage may vary if you're sam and you don't like <laughs> eric stevens as much as some of us like 
me, I mean, you know, I saw today that Eric Stevens unfollowed me. And Sam, I don't think that the way that you're talking about him is helping remedy this fact. <laughs> um, so, you know, thanks a well, lot. Well, at least the damage is already done. So I know that's fair. I can't blame it on you, but you know, you're I'm not like, helping. Um, I'm making a case. Either way. Yeah. But uh, open up Eric Stevens versus Brian Keith. This was good. This was like, I wish maybe we had gotten something a little bit better out of Brian Keith. Maybe for me, it's weird to bring Brian Keith out here and book him just for one night. But also, you know, there's stuff that goes around about what kind of shape Brian Keith has been in. And I don't know where he's at physically. So maybe he doesn't want to wrestle a bunch, whatever. But a solid match and a good opener. And I think kind of set the tone for what to expect with a with a good match. Um, feel free if you guys have anything to say. No, I thought, I, thought, I, mean, I thought it was good. I mean, I feel like maybe I like Brian Keith's performance here a little bit more than you did. And that thing is the best I've seen from him. But I think it's what me saying that like Brian Keith's floor is like still like yes. so high that like it's not really noticeable for me that if it's if it's not like a great match because I like Eric Stevens. So to me, Eric Stevens versus Brian Keith sounds like an awesome match on paper. So maybe it fell a little bit short of that. But just where Brian Keith is, is operating at right now, even if it wasn't as good as it could have been, if it maybe happened with a healthier Brian Keith, like I, I still thought it was very good, though. Yeah, and and I and my point more also is if it was more of a showcase match and not a tournament match and not yes. the first match in a tournament, you know what I mean? But still, again, the Brian Keith floor is very high and I'm an Eric Stevens fan. So, you know, there is that separation. Sam, if you have any thoughts, feel free. I have said that this is the best era for Brian Keith really to be in, it feels like, because if he had come along in the early to mid aughts, he would have submitted to all his worst tendencies of being overindulgent in specific sequences and just giving into these moments that become rote and not interesting. And I think Eric Stevens just became the embodiment of that in a lot of ways, just a Davey Richards light, a team ambition sort of pro wrestler, uh, a Tony Cusina uh, sort of figure uh, in here. Just someone that looks like they roll around on the BJJ mats on the weekend. And it just feels like a very works in juxtaposition to the Dominic Green match from Time Bomb Pro that Brian Keith has, which I think they know when to cut everything short when nothing goes on too long. And Dom really sells the fact that he understands how to work the mat in a pro wrestling context and not just a, hey, I'm going to slap on my BJJ moves on you. Um, so they didn't really work for me all in all. Um, I didn't hate it, hate it, but it just didn't feel like it lived up what Brian Keith can commit to. Um, it did not set me up for great feelings for Eric Stevens' run. That's that's fair, I guess. If the if the <laughs> this there's going to be some uh, counters to Eric Stevens time in and time out. It feels like sure, sure. Um, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push back super hard on the Eric Stevens thing, especially because I'm not trying to make this take all night. Um, that said, there is one Eric Stevens debate that I think is important that we uh, that we do hash out here really quick. Is he Roger um, Strong's best opponent? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> are those sneak? Is he are, is he wearing sneakers or are they wrestling boots? Like shooter shoes, amateur wrestling boots. I'm going shooter shoes. They look like it, but they also kind of they're kind of built like high top sneakers. I can't tell. Yeah. I'm, I'm going like actual like like amateur wrestling sneakers. 
Yeah, I think they are. I think they're shooter shoes, but they they just look like uh, sneakers. They have the big swoosh on the side. A lot of times I get confused and think that he's wearing sneakers, but I'm pretty sure they're wrestling boots. Um, follow that up. Joshua Bishop, Sawyer Rex. Okay, Quint, or Sam, again, like I said, building up to the finals. We can tease it here. I could just fucking give it away because anyone listening to this probably knows what where the final is at least. I think setting these two up with Stevens and Bishop as the guys going into the finals from the beginning, I think they did a great job comparing them back back to back. You've got Stevens is working hard. He's overindulgent, as some might say. He's doing kind of strong style. And Bishop is an economic of time, but not an economic of force and energy. And Sawyer Rex, I think, is a great opponent for him to, to kind of uh, really show that off with in back-to-back matches again with Brian Keith is a great kind of counterpoint for Stevens to do the epic, you know, Kings road strong style thing. And for Joshua Bishop to do the more modern meth lab battle arts thing, you know, the just ba- brawling into the crowd, fucking insane spots, chairs, violence, brawls, but you keep it under 10 minutes and it's just all go, go, go. And again, this is the, the dynamic that you're building for the entire tournament. That's why I say this is good booking because you built a comparison of styles, a comparison of characters, and a comparison of physicality from the jump. On top of that, I thought this match absolutely whipped ass. These two just beat the ever-loving piss out of each other. Sawyer Rex is becoming like a quick favorite for mine after seeing the death match with Tank and then everything that I've seen since then from her. Um, just phenomenal. Big fan of Sawyer Rex and going to continue to search out matches from Sawyer Rex when I can find them. Um, so that said, Sam... What's your rebuttal here? This is a hoot. I'm a big fan. I'm with you. Sorry, Rack. I've not seen a lot of her. I thought she looks great here. I'm a pretty big Joshua Bishop fan. Feels like he doesn't get a ton of opportunities, but he's just sort of that big, reckless dude who will just launch folks at weird angles and not really care how they come down. Uh, everyone else is trying to protect their opponent. He's just like, well, how about I just toss Sorry, Rack onto a chair, DVD style, and just like shoot how she comes down is how she comes down. So, yeah. This was this was awesome. Yeah, the release Death Valley Driver is not a common move, but Joshua Bishop does make it his own. Yeah, this not this not that's not the way the, the move is usually done. But just... uh, Quentin, what are your thoughts? I don't, I'm, I'm with you guys. I thought this was really fun. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure this isn't like my second favorite match from both of the shows. Like, I actually really really oh, yeah. like this. Like. It was just, it was just a fun thing, and like, yeah, there's like fun stuff that we'll talk about, but this left a lasting impression on me, and that's the best thing I can say about Joshua Bishop uh, in this tournament. And that what he did and how he was booked left an impression from this match all the way up until the all the way up until the final. He was booked really, very well, and like you said, BLP is not known for booking their promotion very well. So it was a sight to see, to see Joshua Bishop, who I think is okay, but still, but clearly limited, but like a promotion really catered to his strengths and what he's great at and what he could be great at and just letting him do that throughout the tournament. Yeah. I mean, he's limited and none of his matches go over 10 minutes. So it's really hard. You know what I mean? You don't get exposed when you keep the matches that short. Um, Crash Jackson versus Isaiah Bronner. Um, Bronner, I think, is is a guy. He's ready to break out. I think he's definitely said it. He's been putting in the work. 
been seeing him around, but I think he's ready for more people to notice just how good he really is. Crash Jackson, I don't, I don't know, not, you know, maybe it's because I have Bronner on a pedestal and I think like he shouldn't be going 50-50 with this guy who I don't really see much in. Um, maybe I'm wrong there, but the double knockout, I thought, again, like not necessary for the situation, but whatever. Um, that said, I mean, yeah, Bronner is to me the guy, the standout and the guy that uh, people should be focusing on. But yeah, Quentin, what do you think? Um, so I guess in the BLP canon, uh, Crash Jackson is kind of respected in the booking. He's lost, but he's gotten like pretty good looks. He's faced Joshua Bishop and uh, Calvin Tankman in BLP. So he's not like a nobody in this universe. So like on paper, I'm with you that, you know, you kind of just want to see how you know, Isaiah Broner beat the shadow of this guy and then move on. But I guess in the <clears throat> excuse me, I guess in the context of BLP, um, that wouldn't have really made a lot of sense unless you were moving forward with like Broner being one of your top guys or whatever else. Um, I don't know not much to say here because it feels like neither of them get, really gave us gave, gave us much. Personally, like I'm not the I'm not like the huge fan of like American indie hoss matches. I feel like usually most of them usually fucking suck. I feel like most of them are terrible. And this one, that's what they were trying and going for, but either they just didn't have the chemistry or neither of them were ready to really wear the type of match with each other. Maybe it was the spot. Maybe it was trying to build to the outcome they were building to, but nothing about this match really stuck with me. There's cool stuff. Like the way Isaiah Broner carried action, uh, Crash Jackson out was, was cool. But other than that, yeah, just, they really connect much for me. But again, I think American indie host matches usually are fucking terrible. That's fair. Sam. I crush Jackson did not leave a great impression on me. I thought he sucked butt here. So Broner is that guy on the news to me. And the fact that it kind of was a disappointment that that was not a great feeling coming into this. Broner should have been someone that should have been again, deep into this thing. And he gets knocked out. Literally, first round. Yeah, and when you tease the idea on the second night or the second show, I should say that it would have been the winner of this match, hopefully Bronner, in there with Eric Stevens and Jungle Kayona. I mean, obviously, Sam, that would have been a dream match for you to have those three that, in there together. That would have been interesting. I Jungle and him, you know, throw down. That might work for me. Yeah, that could have really got you going there. Um, <laughs> Okay, follow this up. So, Quentin, you mentioned a second ago, you said uh, that the Bishop and Sawyer could have been your second favorite of the night. And I think maybe I feel the same way about this one. Cheeseburger and Trick Davis. Um, And maybe it's just because I haven't been paying attention that much or I don't know. But Cheeseburger absolutely fucking rocks. Cheeseburger is so good at kind of doing like the hybrid style that people have talked about for years, like it's really the the Brian Danielson thing, but even more updated, I guess you might say of like doing Lucha doing the Puro and doing like world of sport and mixing it all together seamlessly into one style and coming across. So like in, in depthly like knowledgeable about all of it, nothing comes across like you're putting on. It's all part of like a natural move set. It's all, done like so seamlessly and smoothlessly transitioned in between it's just phenomenal the references to 
to the past, the, doing like the Shote and Liger inspired stuff with, like I said, doing a lot of the world of sport kind of parlor tricks, doing the the in and out kind of quick uh, lucha, like uh, pinning combinations. Trick Davis was obviously 100% game for the whole thing all the way through. Like, but it was just a revelation for me for how great Cheeseburger looked in here. And Trick kept up with him the whole way. And I was just like really taken aback. Like this might, this might be my, you know, second favorite, favorite match of the whole thing. Just like insanely talented. And like I said, Trick was right there with everything. And he was doing a little neat details and, and like kind of holds and, and stuff back and forth too. That was really cool. But yeah, I was just, when did Cheeseburger get this fucking good? Like, it feels like not to say that he's been being wasted in ROH the whole time, but like, God damn, like, this is a really fucking great wrestler that I don't know that, like, I think there's there. I'm probably not the only person who realizes how good he is, but like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Sam, what did you think? Yeah, I think Cheeseburger also the fact that he now is just going back to being by Cheeseburger now, like classic CB or whatever, uh, kind of a bummer. It feels like to me to be he had just like quit on finding his own niche. But yeah, Cheeseburger should restart Chikara tomorrow. And I think that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> that's so a, that's that, a great call. Yeah. That's the my my overall opinion. I kind of wish these two were actually separated in the tournament a little bit, just because I think they brought pretty similar things to the table. Cheeseburger, I think, is legit great. Um, but I wish there was kind of maybe some separation because I think both of these guys could have kind of helped elevate some other matches in this first round. But yeah, I'm a big cheeseburger fan. That's for sure. All right. Quentin, what did you think? I say it in the most uh, nice way possible when I say that cheeseburger comes across like a gigantic nerd when he wrestles, but it's like, it's a good thing. Like he clearly pays attention and likes and genuinely appreciates all this stuff. So while it like, I don't think he does it in like a super smooth way. I think he has a basic grasp and understanding of it. And just in general is super charismatic and endearing. So he can get away with it without it coming across as cringy. So I like it. I thought that uh, uh, cheeseburger has improved. I'm not as high on him because I still think he just might not actually do this stuff all that well to be honest, but I think that like his personality and charisma like carries it from this guy doing tribute act stuff to like, oh, this is like a, this guy has turned into a really fun wrestler over the times of which we first saw him all those years ago. All right. Um, <laughs> Anthony Henry versus David Young. Um, this actually, Sam, what did you think? Might be my favorite match of the tournament. That's kind of where I'm landing here. I think just like the background, this match, Anthony Henry going against his uh, father-in-law essentially really worked. And David Young's looking like a bit of a rust bucket here for the first half and then sort of finding his way, finding his wrestling groove again. I thought it was a pretty, pretty awesome story. And yeah, I dug this whole bunch. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you for the most part there. My issue is just the setting. And the commentary and me and Quentin have have disagreed a little bit on this in the past in that I don't think that Percy Davis is a very good commentator. Um, I actually and this might be crazy because, you know, whatever. But I actually thought that he was a, like better and more entertaining as a wrestler um, just because the comedy character and the charisma that he had in wrestling, I think, worked. But on commentary, he just. 
and maybe this is a comparison thing, maybe whatever, but he just, he comes across like not knowledgeable enough. He doesn't put over the right things. Wait, well. wait, hold on. Have I, have I, have I praised this, this guy you before? Have not, you have not praised him, but you've argued with me in the past when I've said that I think that he's a bad commentator. Not like, are you just like said, like, I don't think he's bad basically. Okay. All right. Well, okay, yeah. Like, did I praise this person before? No, okay, no, you didn't praise it. him. You didn't say like, he's great. You just okay, said, like, right. I said, he's bad. I don't think he's good. I think he's a bad commentary cater. And you were like, I don't think he's bad. I just recall this in the past. Um, yeah. The, the other stuff and as a wrestler and all that, obviously I don't know where you come down on that, but just on commentary. Um, that said, I think that I agree with everything that you said there, Sam, but I think that the setting not just the fact that the crowd is not really into it, but then also that the commentary did a terrible job, I think, of putting over the situation. It really felt like a passing thought at one point where, where Percy Davis just kind of goes, oh, yeah, and he's his stepdad. And then whoever's on commentary with him, which I think is like Trevor Outlaw or something, is just like, oh, I didn't even know that. Like, like, OK, guys, like, fuck, you're like completely dropping the ball on like the the heatedness that's coming on between these two, the way that you can tell that like Anthony Henry is intentionally trying to like take advantage of the stuff that he knows about his stepdad's weaknesses like all that stuff like it's just like very clearly there and you're just not getting it because you're not setting the table there that said like it's a great match and anthony henry is fucking phenomenal um and the commentary also hurts it and takes me out because when they like refer to like david young being the you know the wily veteran who knows all the tricks and i'm just like i'm sorry but anthony henry has way more experience anthony henry has wrestled probably two or three times the amount of matches that david young has if we're being honest like you could try to say david young's been wrestling longer or whatever but he's taken way more time off anthony henry has been a full bore fucking getting booked ass wrestler on major tv for like 10 years longer than david young ever has David Young took like a ton of time off and all this, like, it's just, it's weird to me to be like, David Young is the Wiley vet. And I understand that like, that's just kind of the story that you tell when you're like, you know, telling stories, the basic, oh, he's older, he's the veteran or whatever. But it's just, it's not true in this case. And there's just like a lot that you could tell there. And Sam, you're right. The match kicked ass, but I just think that unfortunately this could have been a much better match in basically any other setting. And it really sucks that a match that was worked this well with two or at least one really smart wrestler and, and another, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know David Young really that well to say if he's like a really smart wrestler or whatever, but he's in there with his son-in-law and he gave all that he could as the old gunslinger dying on his shield. Um, and you just really don't get that reciprocated from the, pre from the presentation. Um, Quentin, what do you think? Yeah. I thought Anthony Henry was individually really great in this and we've, Talked about how good Anthony Henry is at this point, plenty of times being at the tippy top of any best wrestler in the world type conversation. But this was a match that was definitely let down by the crowd and especially by commentary. Um, so I don't really have a ton to say there because I feel like this could have been something more with uh, more competent people on co on commentary, but it didn't really do that. So this is kind of the Anthony Henry show. <clears throat> for me and like let's say that david young didn't bring anything to the match but like this is like just a showcase of one of the best wrestlers in the world being one of the best wrestlers in the world yeah which i think is kind of the point right is is anthony henry is going out here and almost doing a uh almost doing like a prestige fucking ballot stuffing initiative kind of match where he's taking his father-in-law out here and giving him one last you know, big time matchup and showing off what he can do. Um, 
which, you know, whatever, that's fine. I like it. I like that kind of stuff. I love Anthony Henry for being just that just blatantly wrestling nerd. Like you were talking about cheeseburger. I mean, obviously once the bell rings with Anthony Henry, the nerd is completely gone. And the guy is just like serious as a fucking heart attack. Um, which by the by the end of the match, David Young was turning purple in a way that was scary when it comes to talking about heart attacks. Um, but uh, but you know just how much of a fucking dork he is when it comes to really like loving wrestling. Um, and you know whatever, it's it's good. Shun Space Monkey. This one is in my conversation too for like top three of the fucking tournament. These guys absolutely rock as opponents. Um, I, the, my only issue here would be that like I would have loved to Shun to turn up the bulliness just slightly more, but even still, and that's just comparing it to like that recent tag match that, that we saw with like Zebrats versus um uh versus the Kung Fu Masters, where you know that you know that you can get that like really hardcore bully Shun. But even still, I thought that Shun keeping up with Space Monkey's speed, basing for him perfectly, and then also being able to cut him off at the right spots, being able to just be a fucking prick, show off his power, show off all of that, while also, again, being so insanely athletic. I just thought this was a great matchup. I thought, again, I saw some people being upset, like, oh, Shun's getting wasted against a fucking comedy goof like Space Monkey, and I was just like, no, this is the best booking for Shun that you could have done in, in the tournament, possibly, because... It's just like the perfect match for him. And then it completely delivered exactly like I was expecting it to. Um, and I just, I absolutely adored this match. I thought that like, again, great foil, great, like big, big bully versus smaller underdog. Um, I think maybe, maybe again, you could have turned that up just a little bit more, but yeah. And then when you get the tail stuff involved, even that I thought was done really well. And like, you know, whatever it's comedy it's goofy all that i'm fucking completely over like hating on that shit within the context of what's going on i think if you make it work you make it work and i think that they did a great job of it here um yeah again another one where the commentary hurt it a little bit just because i don't know whatever there's just like a couple little details where i'm just like god damn it like you you clearly don't know anything about shun you don't know his background or anything and that's fine but you know it just again it takes you out a little bit and uh that's kind of my thoughts but sam what did you think I don't think I'm as high on it as you are. I felt like this was a match of wrestlers with two different energies. Shun with a more fun house show energy and Space Monkey treating this like this is his shot. Like this is his last kind of opportunity to find a spot in a position of interest from folks. Uh, Space Monkey was big at, for a period of time on the U.S. Indies. Well, at least whatever big meant in a sort of non gcw world uh on the us indies but this felt like him trying to rewind the clock and be like okay i'm here this is my shot and i think he mostly rose to the occasion in that regard shun coming out with the mlw open weight championship though is a very funny bit to me yeah i have to agree with that uh quentin what did you think so i would have liked to see both of these guys face different opponents um i'm not exactly sure but like I would have probably would have wanted to see like Space Monkey versus Broner, and then Shun face someone uh, like Henry? yeah. But that's you know that's kind of like dream match brain talking. So I'm like, I want to take I want to take a Shun versus Cheeseburger. Like I understand why they would have did Shun ver- like Cheeseburger versus Trick Davis, uh, but Shun versus Cheeseburger, and if you just let Shun like do the like the bully thing he's been doing is he's been doing since joining zebrats and cheeseburgers a perennial baby face 
you can still do the cutesy world of sport tribute spot shit, but you can transition into Shun doing more of his bully, uh, doing his bully work. And I feel like that would have been better off than I feel like these two guys, I think that Sam nailed it, which is a still, I think it's still a very, uh, still a very solid match. But these two guys are kind of like way different energy. Um, and, I, it, and it felt noticeable. Like Space Monkey was taking this match very, very, very seriously, which good for him. Like it felt like that and it translated off screen. But for Shun Skywalker, like he has that kind of star presence and aura. And it felt like it was another day in the office for him and made the energy a little bit disjointed to the point where I would have rather maybe seen them have different opponents. That's fair. That is, I mean, I, I can definitely see where you guys are coming from. Um, Kylan King versus Gary J. Sam, what did you think of this? I might be coming in a Kylan King guy. I thought he looked pretty great the entire tournament. I thought yeah. this was a really fun match. It feels like Gary J. SCI sort of type match from a few years back. Uh, not quite as good because they did not commit to the bit of doing the flash KO finish for obvious reasons. Uh, but no, I thought this was great. Also, Kylie King's tope, DAT, whatever you call it, is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, I agree with that. Kylie King was definitely a standout. I need to keep an eye on this guy coming out of the tournament kind of person and probably the only one that I hadn't seen before, really, when it when when I come down to it. Uh, Quentin, what did you think? I'm with Sam. I'm with I'm with Sam here, thinking that Kylan King. Um, that's gonna be my big big takeaway from the tournament is like with all the, with, with a, a bunch of matches like this, it becomes less about the matches itself and more about who leaves any type of like impression on you. And I think clearly this the person that was designed to leave an impression or one of the people designed to leave an impression was Kylan King, and I think he definitely stepped up here throughout the entirety of a. Uh, kids running the tournament to make sure that he was the guy that we like think of going forward with, with BLP. So this was, this was effective. Didn't overstay his welcome. Gary J is a good scalp for anybody. Like, Oh, I probably shouldn't say scalp, but, um, he's, he's, he's a good, <laughs> but like, he's a good, um, he's a good, he's a good name for anyone that's coming up. He's done enough things as to where he's, he's done enough things, but been well-traveled enough that, if, if you have a, oh, I was in a tournament and beat Gary J, uh, you know, in kayfabe accomplishment to your name, then, like, it's not, like, it, it shows that this person has, like, some type of uh, credibility or, uh, or, tra- or like, upward trajectory with their, with their career. So I thought that was a really uh, smart, uh, smart first-round match to put Kylan King in, and I thought that he delivered th- throughout the rest of the tournament. Yeah, sorry about that. I I think I've actually done the exact same thing and said scalp and then said like I shouldn't use it that way because of, you know. Yeah. Well, we all know why we shouldn't. But the reason why I started laughing because I just couldn't help but think of like that Gary J has got a gigantic bald spot now that I noticed during this match. And yes, I was just does. laughing about that and like how much of his scalp you can see. Um, Colby versus Levi Everett. I thought that this absolutely rocked. I have not really ever liked Levi Everett, but I thought that his selling here was just awkward and weird enough and just being game to go one-on-one with Colby. Colby, I think, is fucking phenomenal. I love Colby Carino, and I think that he's in 2022... So, he, he, he's so good. He just He's always yeah. been really good, but it's just like... Now, like, 
again, in, in the midst of everything, we've talked about it for years. Oh, the USND suck. But, like, really, they suck. And, like, Colby Carino is, like, clearly one of the best guys out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking... It's infuriating just how talented he is. And there's all the, the rumors and the stories and everything that happened because he had this chance and blah, 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 whatever. And I don't even know that I think that Colby Carino would have done well in WWE if, if all that NXT stuff had happened just because of the time period and all that. But right now, Colby Carino is fucking great. He's, I mean, just as good as his dad ever was, if not like honestly a better in-ring wrestler. His dad was a better like wrestler when it comes to like working crowds and stuff. But Colby is really fucking great at that too. Like now, but physically and athletically, I think that Colby is just like really fucking talented um, on top of just the way that he can milk the crowns and do everything. And God damn, he's good. Um, I mean, Quentin, you kind of, <laughs> you already chimed in, but if you have any more thoughts, feel free. And then Sam, whatever you have to say. I mean, no, Levi, Levi Everett, I'm uh, I guess played his part, but Colby Carino just is, he's really good. I just want to see him, want to see him get to do more. Yeah, for Kobe Korean, I'm going to give a lead course. So not so fast on him being as good as his dad, but like he's really darn good. So I guess I can't fight too hard. Uh, Levi Everett, I have no idea about this guy. I've now watched a few of his matches and it feels like I have no read on if he's any good. I did not love the churning butter bit to start this match. And I was just very, I was tired at that point. I was like, you know what? I'm out of this. Uh, so this match did not leave a lasting impression, unfortunately. He feels like a very he feels like a very CWF wrestler for me for some reason. Yeah, no, that adds up. That this adds feels, up. This feels very CWF to me. Yeah, yeah. He feels. I mean, vibe. obviously, there's there's roadkill, but he feels very ECW, like a guy with a stupid gimmick who is willing to do ungodly fucking things to his body, kind of vibe. Um, he's got that going for him too, which I guess is a CWF thing. I mean, it's a history of wrestling thing, really. There's yeah, always been places where you can do that. A guy who can look like a schlub, have a dumbass gimmick, and and then like fucking eat a gallon of paint and and run into a fucking a wood chipper for you know for fun. Um, like you know, those guys don't necessarily aren't necessarily good, but sometimes they are, and sometimes they're like it's Mick Foley. You know what I mean? Like it's weird the way that that works out. It's rare, but sometimes. I don't know if Levi Everett is Mick Foley, but I do know that Colby Carino is, uh, he's just as good as his dad. And moving on, um, Myron Reed, <laughs> Dustin Walker. Um, I don't know about Dustin Walker. I guess he's, you know, he is what he is. Myron Reed, I think, again, I've talked about it, incredibly slept on. A guy that had a ton of buzz early in his career, completely feels like he just disappeared and people stopped talking about him, but has continued to get better and better. And in a world where fucking people are creaming their pants over Trey Miguel, I think that Myron Reed should be on everyone's fucking radar, but it's an MLW thing. So whatever. Um, Sam, what do you think? I thought this was fun. I, it was just kind of a low tier fun. Myron Reed sort of has this baseline, good wrestling performance. I have no impression of Dustin Waller coming out of this. Unfortunately, um, I was hoping sort of like, Oh, this is going to blow my doors off. Maybe I had very little expectations of the Eli Knight match with Myron Reed, SCI, and that absolutely wowed me. Uh, so I was kind of hoping maybe that Dustin Waller's that kind of caliber. He is, it does not look like that. But again, this is just one sample size, but this is fun. Like I, at the end of the day, that's kind of where I ended up on it. Yeah. Q, what'd you think? Yeah, same thing. Myron Reed looks good, looks good. And, you would hope that someone would see Myron Reed as a name to step up for, and maybe you get their best effort, but didn't really feel like I got that from Dustin Waller. 
Um, so it was all right. Um, if you don't mind, um, Jake something versus Big Demo. No. 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 I second the motion. Nothing. No. You second the motion. Okay. <laughs> I thought that Jake something tried really hard. <laughs> I thought Jake something did what he could. <laughs> um. All right. Well. Okay, you guys want to be, you guys want to really swing, you want to swing it around. How about this? Let's be sexist and let's skip the women's match. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> this JML was, wants I mean, our hot takes on jungle. Oh, who does? JML wants oh, JML. our hot takes on yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, I, w- I wish he was in there with a good wrestler, but you know, like, there's, what only, do you so do? You, there's only so much you can do here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sky, Sky Blue, like, I think that she's so much better on AEW Dark, honestly, because she's just got like, you know, she's a good TV wrestler, which is like, that's fine. But she's not like a, a good like in the ring wrestler. Like that's there you you know, go. Some, different people are better at different things. But I thought one thing that I did like here was you saw a little bit more attitude and a little bit more like heelishness from Sky. And I think that that might be something that they should like think about doing with her. She might be better as a heel, um, you know, but I, I don't know. Like, yeah, she sky seemed like she was like trying a new outfit on like, well, I'm gonna try a new yeah. style. Let me see how this, this fits. And rather than like, you know, like this was utterly natural to her. I think she right. did pretty well, but like, it definitely felt like, let me give this a go rather than I've been doing this my whole career sort of vibe. Which is again interesting that interesting that that, that was the approach here because right. jungle can work like on top. Like she's very solid with that. She might be a natural baby face, but jungle can work on top. So it's kind of an interesting choice to like go with that. Uh sky blue doing that. Um I have a second motion. Well, uh, and especially no, hold on, and especially because you're setting this up with Jungle versus Eric Stevens in the next round. Why would you not want to set up Jungle as a dominant with the story that you're trying to tell yes. with Eric Stevens as an underdog? You would want Jungle to come across a lot more legitimate. And again, it's crazy to be like Sky Blue, who's been this plucky baby face, and that's all anyone really knows her for. And you're going up against like a a pretty like well-regarded Joshi wrestler who's got like a, a pretty long career and all this, like, and, and, you know, following and all this. And you're like, let me try something new as Sam talked about there. Like, how does that make, you should be, again, this is the same thing as we talked about with Waller. Like, Oh, let's go out there and let's like bring my best. Why would sky blue not be coming out here trying to show off what she's best at? It's a really fucking bad. And yes, Quentin, we can skip Tom Lawler versus Warhorse because Warhorse fucking stinks. All right, I just want to make sure that the mo- that the motion was here <laughs> was heard. That yeah. I I just yeah the refu- longest I, match of the two I fucking, shows. I, re- I refuse. I refuse. It's absolute fucking garbage. And then okay, three ways. I like. I'll. I don't even care really that much to talk about three ways, so we can like skip most of them. The opening Anthony Henry cheeseburger Jake something, whatever. I liked the finish. I honestly I was like de- debating fucking messaging Henry and being like just tell me the truth. You came up with the finish. Cause that was really smart, you know? And it just seems like something that only fucking Henry would have come up with like out of anyone, because it was like actually a really smart finish and it worked really well. But otherwise, I don't know. I don't have any other thoughts. What do you guys say? Uh, I'm with you on the, on the triple threat thing. Uh, so how many of them we, do we have here? Uh, I hated three? this set, whole second round is like a, a concept is like a booking concept because everything is 
yeah, incredibly it's... short, but nothing feels like high energy. So it's like these aren't sprints really at the end of the day. Like the Kai King, Myron Reed, Shun Skywalker could be maybe labeled that, but everything else just feels like, oh, it's short because we didn't really want to do it this way, but we have 24 wrestlers and not a ton of time left in the day. So let's just power through this. Yeah. Yeah. It really felt like they were just trying to get through the second round as quickly as they could, which was really smart because you had a ton of important uh, non-tournament matches to get to. Yep. Uh, I, a cage match. You can't make the match guide for anyone. If your match is less than five minutes, that's, which that's rocks. messed up. Yes, yeah. yes, it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. I hate it. It's such a stupid it. fucking thing, especially because there's tons of old matches that don't have a time because no one like officially kept the time. Yeah, there's just, just, like, just there's just good matches that don't go five minutes though. Like that's just a that's weird. Also, a, a point. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a weird thing. What do you expect? It's fucking German. Um, <laughs> Stevens and Kiona. Stevens and Kiona, I thought was was fine, but again, like I said, it felt like you were telling a story here, and then you just had this brief interlude. It's feeds into the same thing sam said which is which is that like the second round just completely falls apart like you're telling almost you're almost telling a narrative and then it just completely falls apart in the second round it's almost like exactly what i said from the beginning that having a singles wrestling tournament that at some point turns into triple threats doesn't make any fucking sense not not very smart no matter who you are when you do it whether you're blp or aiw or Whoever, it's just not a good best idea. Best. Yeah. It's yeah. Like switching the format of the fucking tournament just doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, like this is fine. Uh, Kylan King, Myron Reed, and Shun was, you know, it was good. I think that, that was huge. Again, we talked about Kylan King, but it was huge for Kylan King to get like big, big win, a win over like two much bigger opponents there. Um, you know, even if, you know, it's a three way, whatever, like still. Um, Bishop Carino and Lawler feels like a on paper is like a dream match situation for me, right? Like it's three guys that I absolutely fucking love. And that said, like they did a really good job in a three-way match. I thought that again, like these guys are all great. I love all three of them. And it's a three-way, which is inherently flawed in the ways that it is, but there's still a lot, a lot to enjoy here. Um, it went relatively long, but it's like, you know, again, it's very skippable. Um, you guys have any thoughts on anything else there? Uh, Bishop versus Karina versus Lawler, I guess, was my favorite yeah. of those triple threats. But sure, sure. I guess I like the I guess I like the structurally more than the other ones. But yeah, still like not a, not a ton to chew on there. Yeah, Kate, uh, Casey Navarro, Isaiah Moore, Isaiah Moore, uh, solid. Casey Navarro is good. But yeah, whatever. No thoughts. I, I, I thought Isaiah Moore looked pretty good too. I thought he looked awesome. But fair, fair, yeah. Um. Four way Colby Durst, Eli Isom, just Johnson, why is it why why is this ha- like what the fuck why is this happening Cut like this shit don't need it yeah like what like what the fuck what like, what are we doing you already wasting had, time you're already, you're already doing a giant tournament in one day what is this yeah why Sam Sam wrestlers need the rest I have no thoughts yeah. on this I just don't I don't get it uh, also like where are all these wrestlers coming from why are they on the like it can't be just booked for the show. There has to be a weekend of events going on for them. No one's booking Kobe Durst in 2022. I guess Eli was with Cheeseburger, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, uh, Jocelyn probably came with Josh Bishop because she's an AIW wrestler. 
Rohit being in here is random as fuck because he doesn't seem like a guy who shows up to work for free. Um, so yeah, yeah I, guess, Kobe, I, guess, I guess he could have came with Jake something. I don't know. That's possible. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Colby Durst is a weird one, especially Sam. You mentioned that, but like, yeah, are you risking a border crossing for fucking a free to do a free shot in BLP at this point? That doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you told me Colby Durst like... actually lived in Chicago for the past five years, I would believe you. Sure, I would no, be none the wiser. You know, Kobe Nurse is still 26. Can't be true. That's that's a lie. That's, yeah. <laughs> I, that's not so good. Is, that's, I don't like it. I don't. It says on, it yeah. says on occasion, actually, he's 26. Um, so for the record, um, mm-hmm. it might it might just not be listed on cage match, but uh, he he Kobe Durst didn't have any other matches listed on cage match prior to showing up to do turbo grabs. Uh, for a six-minute four-way, yes. yeah. so I don't know. Maybe there was. Well, other... he had to be. He had to be here for the big angle in the tag match. That was really important. Right. That he like teased turning and then didn't. And yeah, that was. They needed that, so I get why they had to bring him into town. And it's like, oh, we're bringing him in. We gotta. Might as well book him in a match too. Um, yeah, so just want to be clear that he they, he did not have he doesn't have he doesn't have anything else listed for uh, <laughs> for this. He must live in Chicago or something. Sam he was in right. Quebec. So, the last his last booking was his last listed booking is in Quebec. Fair. There right. seems to be missing bookings because the C four okay. show happens on nine twenty three, which he is looks to be a okay. part of, just not listed for whatever reason, but. So why okay, was he? But that doesn't really why help. Is, how does that explain? C4 how, how, do you, how do you get to go to Indiana? How, how, no how do you get to yeah. how do you get to Indiana? What's going on? Yeah. That actually makes it worse because that means yeah. that he was all the way on the yeah. Okay, well, good for him. Um, Stevens versus Henry Quentin. What did you think? Uh, best match of the uh, okay. stuff of the stuff for me. And like it's on paper, I think it should it should be for me. It's Eric Stevens. I like him and Anthony Henry, and I. You know, it could be uh, there's a better version of this, probably, but for uh, I don't know. I think it just, I guess it just hit me in the right in the right ways. I love the way that Anthony Anthony Henry approached this and uh, Eric Stevens as a story, even if there could have been uh, better ways to tell it with his second round match versus Jungle Kiona. That when he got to Henry here, I still felt like they they were they got back to telling that story effectively. So yeah, I really like this. Uh, my, I think it's best. It's not my favorite. Like I said, like something like Bishop versus versus Rec might be my favorite. Uh, but this would probably wind up being like if we're doing like star ratings, this would be like my highest star rated uh, match on this uh, on the, on this uh, set of shows. All right. Well, Sam, we've got the angel and the devil. Sam, you're the on the devil side here. What do you think? I don't know. This match is fine. I've got no strong feelings about this. Anthony Henry, once again, looks good. Eric Stevens, still not loving the vibes he's given off. I will say at this point, Anthony Henry's journey through this tournament feels more earned. It feels like he has the more credibility to go into the finals. Um, Even though I know the whole thing with Eric Stevens is that he has history in this tournament and that's meaningful, but Turbo Graps is not the scenic city invitational they do not this tournament has no cachet i 
can't imagine anyone be like, oh, the lore of Turbo Graps. Yes, Eric Stevens must make wow. the finals. Um, Anthony Henry, the way his journey worked, being a, the smarter wrestler in that second round match, just like rather than powering through like he did in that first round match, I uh, felt like, okay, this is his actual test to prove against someone that is more in his age bracket, more in his skill wheelhouse, um, take them to the limits. But instead, he just kind of falters, frankly. So it's all right. I have no strong feelings about this one, unfortunately. That's fair. I mean, uh, I will say maybe I'm a little bit more on Quentin's side here. I thought it was great. I don't know if it ends up in like my top two, top three of the tournament, but uh, definitely really dig it. It is maybe a little bit overindulgent, but I think it does help. Like it establishes more the the submission hold that Eric Stevens is using, which helps pay off in the, in the finals. Um, as like kind of it's his it's his ace in the hole. Um, he's going up against a much you know very very much more talented you know wrestler. But again, he's trying to gut it through and he's trying to have something to prove. Um, and I think it's not just the lore of Turbo Graps. Like the Turbo Graps tournament obviously means something to him in the sense that he came in as champion and lost his title in the tournament. And then I think, I think it was the tournament where Warhorse wins the IWTV championship at the end is the, is kind of the point um, where, you know, is kind of the, the background there. So it is funny that we talked about how much Warhorse sucks shit on this tournament as well, um, because they don't even try to like make reference to that, which you would think if you're trying to tell this story of Eric Stevens's background with this tournament that you would reference or, or connect to the Warhorse thing, but they don't. Um, and, uh, and eventually we end up, uh, or maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it was like Lee Moriarty either way. Um, we end up, uh, we end up here and he, and he overcomes this followed up Josh Bishop and Kylan King. And I thought this was perfect again, juxtaposition between the two where Joshua Bishop is just, you know, fucking completely Eric Stevens in the dirt. Joshua Bishop ascendant just comes out here, smashes through this guy who we all talked about has been feeling like, Oh, they're building this guy up. Oh, there's something here. Kylan King. This is, you know, there's something there that's worthwhile. It's worth like paying attention to him. And then fucking Joshua Bishop is just like, no, fuck this guy. He sucks. And just completely demolishes him in under a minute, puts him down like nothing. It was, I thought that that was fucking great. Like such a great way to do that. Like just completely subverting expectations. Um, yeah. Quentin, what are your thoughts? I'm I'm just, I'm the same way here. Like I expected it to go short, but then actually seeing him just pick him up and shell shock him (laughs) for a, for a, for a victory in less than a minute. I was like, Oh shit. Like I was thinking that we might get some, uh, some near falls or something like that from King before he, uh, before he, before he got put away. And that just did not happen at all. And again, they're not forcing Bishop to do a lot here. But still, you don't like you don't want to understate just like how much like his presence and how he feels, his demeanor, his personality, that kind of like unspoken charisma he has, like really carries over. And this is something that we've seen for, for like in Joshua Bishop and for a, for a long time, but maybe it always wasn't presented the right way in companies he's been in. And it's weird to see that BLP is kind of the place getting it right. Josh Bishop rules, yeah. I think, in general. Uh, and this match is, again, it's a minute long. Colin King 
while he does get wrecked, I think he still is, looks good in defeat somehow because it does feel like, okay, he just got grabbed by a, a grizzly bear and that's all it takes. Like when you're going against someone that big versus you, like they just need to get a paw on you and put him down pretty quick. So yeah, I think this match is a good use of one minute. That's for sure. Yeah. And I did look it up and Eric Stevens won the IWTV world championship in the first turbo grabs uh, from orange Cassidy. And then at the end of the show loses it to Warhorse. So he was literally a one night transitional champion, which I, I remembered this, but I completely forgot it. Um, and again, you've got Warhorse in the same tournament and you are telling this story. People are referencing, you know, Eric Stevens's history with this tournament and you've got both guys and you literally do nothing with that. It's just, I didn't even think about it until now we're recording. And I was like giving Mikey credit for being like a, you know, a good booker, but Jesus Christ, man, like, why would you not do something there? The commentary didn't mention it. No one talked about nothing. There was just no reference to this. And there's like the direct connection there, but whatever. Um, Again, this is, this is a good, a well-booked BLP show. Um, So uh, I don't care about these next two matches. You're about about, about to say no. Just, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no to both of these. (laughs) Okay, Quentin, we do have to talk about the post-match angle, though. Like I said, Colby Durst, he comes out and he teases that he's on a different side, but then he's not. And, I mean, come on. (laughs) So, Calvin Tankman versus Trisha Dora. Um, Yes. Okay, this is the best Trisha Dora match I've seen in a while. I'm inclined to agree. I thought this was really fun. Yeah, I I thought that, that... Tankman brought a lot out of Trish. Tankman, Tankman is a guy who fucking gets it. Like he really fucking gets it. Like he knows his character. He knows how to present himself, but he also is so good about when to sell, when to put other people over, when to like make something um, like of the other person, when to, again, like he's just at the right spots. Perfect. Just fucking great mind for wrestling, like natural inclination for everything. It proves the point from the last episode that I made about how great Court Bauer is because, you know, he's had tank, he strapped Tankman up and, and is one of the only people who like signed him to a contract early on, strapped him up and has just kept the title on him for like an insane amount of time. Um, so, yeah, obviously. Talk about, uh, t- again, last episode, just how great Court Bauer is, just one of the smartest bookers in the world for appreciating how great Tankman is. Made Trisha Dora look amazing here. Trisha Dora, someone who had a ton of potential seem to kind of fall off, but then you see her here and you see what she, what she's capable of in the right settings. And you just want to hopefully continue on doing this kind of thing. Sam, what did you think? And when you, and when you talk, don't forget to add in your praise for court Bauer, please. I don't have any hot takes on this. I think it's a good match. I don't have any, like, it wasn't like overblown here, but also like, it's not a waste of time by any means. This is, Probably one of the better matches on these two shows for me. So uh, it does kind of set us up nicely going into the finals. It felt like nice palate cleanser for me. Right, right, right. But what are your thoughts on Court Bauer being? Oh, Court Bauer, than genius. But better than uh, Bauer. Yes. Oh, yes. Of, of course. One of the best of the one generation. Of, yes. Yeah. Generational. Gabe Sapolsky could right? never. No. Like, I mean, he should come up with his own DVD series. Yeah. Smoking oh genius, God. Court Bauer. Yeah. 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 The real secrets. I would much rather Court Bauer be hosting spaces than Gabe Sapolsky for sure. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. They should go do one together. Okay. I think. Uh, I, think yeah. I think. Yeah. I think we're giving yeah. way too many ideas now. The Virgin, uh, 
gave Sapolsky has a falling out with Loki, never books him again. The Chad uh, Court Bauer continues to book Loki throughout the in, throughout his entire time of being a COVID truther. Somehow, never has any issues. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. but Court Bauer obviously ascendant. He's the king. Um, main event: Eric Stevens, Joshua Bishop, Sam. You've got your man versus your anti man. What do you think? It sort of, unfortunately, kind of combines into a just a good match. Something that, like, okay. This feels like the right combination of things, but takes down what I love about Bishop a little bit because it's more of him in a straight wrestling match to some extent, but it's also dragging Eric Stevens into a little bit more of a unwieldy fight, uh, as it were. So I don't have like grandiose thoughts about this one other than we ended in a good place uh, versus what I felt on other Eric Stevens matches in the tournament. And maybe doesn't hit quite the highs of the other air, the other Joshua Bishop matches where he's being just completely reckless with other people's bodies. But good finale to the shows. Yeah, I thought I thought this was really good. I thought this was like they they kicked ass um, again. And this, this is why we have to like I haven't been doing star ratings for the past couple of years. I haven't really been focusing on it, but we do have to like recalibrate that because it's just like. When I say I think this is really good, but then like I might mean like I don't know, two and three quarter star. You know what I mean? Like Sam, what would you if you were gonna say a star rating, what would you give this match? Like somewhere in that uh three star range. So like I think we're right. around the same point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like it's that thing where I just <laughs> say, like, oh, I think this is really good, but like it sounds like I'm saying, like, oh, I think this is five stars because people talk that way or whatever. But I'm just like, no, I think like it's close to a three star match. It's in that range. Like, sure. I mean, but like uh, we're correct, but we're correct here when we say that because people will say like the people, the worst people in the world are the, are the ones that say three stars is an average match, right? Which is like, fucking insane. They're just uh, like okay, hard like the, just the worst people in the world. It was fine. I gave it three stars. Like what? Huh? That's yeah awfully high awfully awfully high for a fine match (laughs) yeah you've got five whole stars like you don't need to use only the top two like there is more (laughs) stars there there's a ton of room here why are you guys anyways um stuff that makes bishop great is not even just like the reckless craziness like you mentioned there sam like repeatedly ad nauseum i don't know why you just can't stop talking about how reckless he is i think he's a safe worker who's a good guy but you know whatever sam that's fine um the stuff that i think that really stands out that makes him great is like eric stevens is sitting in the front row just like dying and and joshua bishop is stomping around like a beast looking for weapons but as he passes by eric stevens he still throws just a random arid kick at him and that's the stuff where I just go, okay, this motherfucker gets it because this is a fight. And if you were in a fight and you're a big, badass fucking monster like Joshua Bishop, you don't just walk by your opponent and don't like acknowledge him. No, 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 no. Fuck that guy. I'm going to fucking kick him. I'm going to punch him. I'm going to throw something at his, in his way. And that's the thing that I think a lot of wrestlers miss. They're like, they're too busy doing all the other stupid bullshit and they forget that this is supposed to be, I want to murder this guy. So I'm not just like looking for weapons to get to the next spot. I'm looking for weapons to murder him. So while I pass by, I'm still going to kick him. I'm still going to say, fuck you. And yeah, I think getting the chairs in there. And there was a moment, there was a brief second where I was like, why is the referee just letting them use chairs? And then I'm then after that, I was just like, ah, fuck it. Like, are, is there any fucking even hint that you're going to go into a match with, with Joshua Bishop? And this is not accepted. This is not everyone is agreeing to this bullshit. And then that's where it's just like it kicks off. I 
I somewhat agree with you, but I do think that they got past that point where it really did feel like this went like completely into you into Josh's world. And that I think is a great way to tell the story where you go like Eric Stevens allowed himself to go all the way into being in Joshua Bishop's world. And if he had pushed it and made them stay in a typical wrestling match even more, maybe he could have won, but he unfortunately got into like brawling and chairs and violence and all this stuff. And there was no chance he was going to keep up. Um, Quentin, what did you think? Uh, yeah, pretty much everything that you guys said. Um, just old, just an old man being put in the dirt. I <laughs> I like it. Just great pro wrestling. Whenever uh, whenever that's done, really just hearkening back to shades of uh, Larry Z versus Bruno. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but, but, yeah. but no, uh, I thought this, I thought this I thought this was fun though. Like Josh Josh Bishop again. I always enjoyed him, but it's maybe a tad inconsistent, but maybe just like a thing, dude, like promotion is not catering to his best strengths. And I thought here throughout the tournament, like I said, they've done that. They did that over and over again. And even in a situation where, you know, he's facing um, a technical wrestler like Eric Stevens. I think that it was very, it was still very clearly laid out as a Josh Bishop match and that Josh Bishop was going to be the focus of it obviously as the winner naturally but this was a Josh Bishop match and we want to do everything we can to like make this guy come across come across as um as as dangerous and unbeatable as possible and I thought that the uh, goal was mostly accomplished there um so before we sign off or give a last review of this show I just want to put out a message I would like people to stop booking Kevin Blackwood at like an important like I would like it to stop because you give him these important matches on paper. Like Bobby Fish, I guess, is important to some to somebody. I don't know. I don't know who Bobby Fish is important to. Uh maybe maybe Sam has an affinity for Bobby Fish that I just don't know that I just don't know. But I would I, do I, would, not. I would I would just really like if Kevin Blackwood would not keep getting booked and presented as if he's uh one important, but two a wrestler that is even actually good because he is not, and it's just like really insulting to my intelligence to have this like guy continuously just booked in ways to convince me that he is good when I know that he is not. Yeah, I am. Um... Kevin Blackwood shares some of that Bobby Fish DNA, just in the fact that they were friends with better wrestlers and had matches with better wrestlers that made them look like they might be good when in fact they are dog shit. So yeah. they got that. I thought, you were just, I thought you were just going to say, cause they're probably Eskimo brothers, which I'm sure that they are. Um, okay. So, 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 yeah. so, so who's going to be, who's going to be Kevin Blackwood CM Punk? Who's he just going to come out against like five or six years from now? So like, oh yeah, fucking totally, totally whoop that guy's ass. Like who's he, is it gonna be as like fucking uh is like hangman gonna take MMA lessons and hey yeah like in <laughs> like 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 no it's gonna be like puff yeah <laughs> yeah it's gonna be like Kevin Blackwood coming out and saying that Puff was actually a piece of shit or something you know oh oh yes yes he has to he has to say that hook is actually just not really that good yeah, like that's oh true. That's like it. hook that's the like, one. Hook, like hook's credentials yeah. man I'll beat the shit out of hook like he'll have to like 
do that do that whole yeah do that whole thing i want that i want kevin blackwood versus hook yeah that'll be jesus christ oh my god um blackwood definitely stinks but you know what else stinks quentin we started this out talking about juggalos we gotta pour one out for the passing of a very famous juggalo coolio died as we were recording it got announced um, was a a famous juggalo yeah he had a hatchet man tattoo really so yep uh so yeah so you know it it all comes full circle uh sam do you have anything you want to plug i guess the whole point of having you on here was because we have a new show oh go ahead i'm gonna get my one sam joke in today and i want to make it clear that uh gangsta's paradise is one of the only rap songs that sam knows is christ (laughs) fucking hell um go look at at the real virgil's tweet uh Man, at Julio, my brother, we hit it all across the land, man. I'm broken about this. Here is some blonde begging us both for some meat sauce. R.I.P. my bro. That's a great tweet. Better myself. I think I think we found the found the cover found the cover found the podcast offer this week. Honestly, yeah, that's it. Oh Jesus. Um, but (laughs) as I was saying, Sam, I had. Had you on because of the new uh, tournament podcast. If anyone's listening to this and they're not listening to the tournament show that's on the same network, I don't know why you would do that, but maybe they are. But feel free if you want to give people the overview and explain to them who who the heck is this Dan Rice guy? Yes. Uh, so starting a new podcast recently called Talking Tourneys. First episode was on CW's Tournament of Death 3. Next episode is going to be on Super J Cup 94 podcast with me and Dan Rice. Just two folks in the same Twitter sphere. Dan's a great dude. Uh, we have an affinity for the pro wrestling tournament format. So kind of decided, hey, let's let's chat a little bit. But we're just going one by one through every tournament in existence, more or less, until we find the best one possible. So that's kind of until our journey. You guys hit- Turbo Graps 24. Uh, you'll go Maybe I'll just have a totally new take when we get to it. Yeah. Just like, oh, you know what? This is Eric Stevens might be the second coming of Jesus. And he's Carl Gotchen personified. So, I mean, we have four years. We have, we have four years until GWE comes back. And like, you know, for all for all for all we know, Eric Stevens might just might rank above Yuki Shikawa for you. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. Uh, oh, but yeah. Sorry. Real quick. Do, did you guys get the reference from Turbo Graps the first time you heard it, like four years ago, five years ago? Yeah, from the Turbo Graphics wrestle, uh, video game thing. Yeah, yeah, um, I didn't know about that. I just, I literally just found out about it, like recently. Quentin, did you know about amazing. this? No, I, I didn't know it. I didn't know when I first heard it, or maybe like the the second time around. I think I heard, okay. I, got, I got what the reference was, but not the first time though. I didn't know for years. I found out maybe like a month ago and was like, oh, that's, oh, that's dumb. Anyways, yes. uh, <laughs> it's still dumb. To, yes. Yeah. Feel free to close it out. Um, you can follow uh, me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at Bone Dog's Wife. You can follow Sam at Concrete 1992. I'm pretty sure I got that right. And okay. you can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. You never feeling that so kind to. Donate to us on coffee so we can fund uh, 
Sam's first rap concert trip. We're gonna send him to like a Benny the Butcher show or something. Since uh, so, yeah, like we'll but Sam will fit right in there with Griselda and West Side Gun and all those guys. Uh, so if you want Sam to have the best time of his life around a bunch of uh, uh, drug rappers, then please donate to Coffee and us at the Podcast Network. And thank you all for listening and hope you're next time. You want to tell me what this is all about? As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying in chalk. I really hate the trip, but I gotta lope. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke, fool I'm the kind of G the little homies wanna be like On my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light situation they got me facing i can't live a normal life i was raised by the state so i gotta be damn with the hood team too much television watching got me chasing dreams i'm an educated fool with money on my mind got my tin in my hand and a gleam in my eye i'm a loped out gangster set tripping banker and my homies is down so don't arouse my anger fool death ain't nothing but a heartbeat away i'm living life do or die what can i say i'm 23 now but will i live to see 24 the way things is going i don't know That's why I know my life is out of luck, fool.